Hello and welcome to another weekly teaching from Vineyard Community Church, St. Louis. So, uh, I'm going to start off this morning uh, with, a, uh, with a couple questions. So, first of all, we're, we're just out of summer now, right? I'm curious, how many of you took a trip this summer? Just raise your hand. How many of you took a trip this summer? A lot. Like, yeah, a lot of you. That's good. Okay. So, what I'm wondering is, um, I don't want to say this is a contest or something, but I, but I am curious how far away from home uh, you got. So I'm, I already, I already, I'm, I'm pretty sure, I think in this room there are people who, who left the country at least. Okay, so, um, so if you left the country, raise your hand. Okay. Okay, so let's, what is the, what, throw out, just yell out where you went. I'm, I'm curious what the, what's that? Canada. Okay, yes, that, does, that does count. <laughs> my, home, my homeland, right? Yeah. Uh, okay, Bill, you... Norway. Norway, that's pretty good. I saw Tanya, right? Huh? Romania, yeah, that's good. Was there another one? Did I miss one of her? Megan, yeah. Oh, this is... Yeah, what? Yeah, there we go. London, Dubai. So I think you actually, in this room, you might... I'm pretty sure you win the, win the furthest away from her. That's pretty good. Dubai is, is very far away, and I know... I know other friends of ours who aren't, aren't in the room at the moment, they, they also traveled all over the place, right? And so, um, so we, love to, we love to take trips and journeys and stuff like that, right? It's always a, always a good thing, always a good thing to do, and um, there's many reasons for that. But, uh, but I'm wondering, you know, when you're on a journey, right, this is like, it's an opportunity for a lot of fun things to happen. It's also an opportunity, I've noticed, at least for myself, to get lost, Right? You're somewhere that you haven't been before, potentially, and you know, you're going out into a new place, you're trying to discover things, and there is just always the chance that you will get lost. So, so I'm wondering this morning, um, what's your natural response to being lost? What's your natural response to being lost? Okay, you don't have to yell this out, okay. Uh, but just think about that, right? Like, put yourself in that situation, you're starting to, you know, you're like, I'm not exactly sure if I know I'm on the right spot or not, and you're starting to wander around. What's your natural response to getting lost? I think, I think that there's at least a few different uh, there's at least a few different possibilities, right? So one is that you can uh, uh, you can be in denial, right? I think that a lot of us uh, experience this. You don't want uh, to admit that you are lost. Um, this is maybe especially true if there's a significant other involved. Um, who may have been questioning your decisions along the way already. And so the last thing that you want to do is to admit that maybe, just possibly, you don't know where you are. That's the boss, right? So there's, there's denial. That, that's certainly one response. Um, some, of, some of you just kind of go full into panic, right? I've seen this before where, like, actually, you're not lost, but just the prospect of being lost and maybe just an ever-so-slight like, lack of confidence that you know where you are induces this massive amount of panic, and all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, I'm lost, where am I, you know, and you go crazy. And then I think there's other people who actually just live in this kind of oblivious state. Like, you are actually lost, but you don't even know it. You're not really in denial. Being in denial means that you kind of know that you are, right? But like, but you're just oblivious. You have no idea that you're lost whatsoever, um, and you just kind of carry on until, you know, at some point, you notice that you are. Now, the good thing about those people, I've noticed, is that they're usually pretty calm. They usually don't get into that situation. They're like, oh, at some point they're like, oh, I'm lost, and they carry on. And so hopefully eventually, no matter what kind of lost you are, 
you get to a point where you can, uh, you can work through the problem, right, and get back on track, right? Um, but I was thinking about being lost this morning, because our, our, our passage we'll see this morning, there's, uh, there's, there's some lostness going on, and it'll be interesting to see how, how that works. And, um, you know, being lost on a journey implies, I think, usually a couple things. One, it implies that you have a known destination, and it also implies that you have a known path, right? Like there's a path to that destination. And, you know, I think a lot of times teachers and preachers, they like to, like, we like to compare, you know, life to a journey, right? Life is like a journey. You, see, you hear this metaphor a lot of times. Um, and I'm, I'm implicitly using that as we speak, right? Um, but the thing about that is in life, a lot of times you really don't know what the set path is. Um, and a lot of times you'd have a hard time identifying exactly what the set destination is, right? A lot of times at least one of those things is unclear, maybe both of them, maybe both of them, right? And so, so in that way, it's like actually it's a, lot, it's a lot harder in some ways when you feel lost, right? You don't even know, you might, be lo- you might be feeling lost because you don't know what the destination is. You might be feeling lost because you're like, okay, I think I know where I'm going, but I have no idea how to get there, right? And so, um, so this morning we're going to start in on that, and we're going to turn to Luke chapter 17. So if you've got your Bibles, or I'm going to uh, put this up on the screen here, Luke chapter 17, uh, verse 20 to 21. So just two verses, and I'll just go ahead and read it, and then we'll start to move through. Okay. So it says, Once, on being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, Jesus replied, The coming of the kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is, because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Okay, so these two verses here, uh, if you've been around, uh, if you've been a Christian for a little while or read your Bible, you might might be familiar with these verses. Um, These verses are really challenging um, to a lot of Bible scholars and translators, this, this verse causes, these verses cause a lot of actually, I'd, I'd say controversy about what exactly is Jesus talking about here, okay? Um, and so the controversial part is kind of at the, at the end, uh, but we'll just go through the beginning because that, that part's fairly well understood, and then we'll get to that, okay? So, so he says, um, once when being asked by the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God would come? So that's the question. So the Pharisees asked this question, when will the kingdom of God come? And the reason why they're asking this question, if, if you remember the Pharisees, uh, who the Pharisees are, right? They are always kind of tra- trying to trap Jesus. They're trying to ask Jesus all these hard questions. They're trying to get him into a corner and, um, and all that. But, but I think in this case also, they're, they're really wondering, right? The Pharisees um, and, and really the, all the Jewish people that Jesus is talking to, they're expecting the kingdom of God to come in a certain way. They are under the, uh, some would say, oppressive rule, or at the very least under, under the authority of this giant Roman empire. They're this tiny group of people, you know, this nation that has this internal calling. They feel this calling um, that God has always said, you're my people, but they're, they're in this situation where they're under the thumb of this Roman empire. And in their minds, almost universally, they're expecting the kingdom of God to come in this particular way that essentially looks like them regaining power, right? They want to have their own nation again. They want to be able to, 
uh, live their lives, you know, unobstructed by Romans and um, unobstructed by any outside, uh, any, any outside parties. And so they're wanting, their definition of the kingdom of God is for that to come. And so, so they're wondering, when is that going to happen? Jesus, you are this guy, you know, we said in the, the last series we were in, the kingdom of God is the thing that uh, Jesus talked about more than anything else. So he's been talking about the kingdom of God, kingdom of God this, kingdom of God that. And so they're coming at him and they're saying, when, that's our question, right? We, we want the kingdom of God to come. When is that going to occur? And so Jesus comes back at them with this reply. The coming of the kingdom is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is or there it is. And so this is an interesting response for a number of reasons. Okay, so first of all, just notice, okay, this happens all the time, just notice this. These people ask him a question. They ask him, when is the kingdom of God coming? And guess what? Jesus does not give them a direct answer, <laughs> okay? Have you noticed that this happens sometimes? You ask a question, you ask God a question, and you don't get, like, the exact answer to that question. Um, he is not answering a when, is he? In fact, he's not even in the same verb tense that, that they are, right? He's saying, they're saying, when is the kingdom of God going to come in the future? I am expecting this future event to come We've been waiting for it for literally hundreds of years. When is the kingdom of God going to come? And Jesus comes back with this reply that says, wait a second, I think actually you're misunderstanding something fundamentally. Right? The kingdom of God is not something that can be observed. And that totally blows away their expectation of what that answer is. Because remember, they're thinking the kingdom of God, when it comes, Probably in their minds, they're thinking that's going to be militaristic, right? That's the most easy thing to, to imagine is that, you know, there's going to be like phalanxes of uh, soldiers that are going to be defeated and they're going to, you know, somehow the, the, the Jews are going to rise up and they're going to just take over somehow, right? That there will be this, this Messiah king who comes in and, and just galvanizes the whole country and somehow they're just going to take over militaristically, politically, whatever you see, it's definitely in a way that you would be able to say, oh, there it is, right? There's the kingdom of God coming. And Jesus just shatters that right away. The kingdom of God is not something that can be observed, nor will people say, here it is, or there it is. And so that's something to notice because that's, you know, that, that might be, I don't, I don't know for the Pharisees if that's hard, was hard for them to hear because they were probably not exactly listening to Jesus in the same way that we might want to. But that is something for us to observe, is that sometimes when we ask Jesus questions, he kind of blows things apart a little bit, right? Or he kind of shows us that our understanding or even our approach to a question is not, not quite the same as what, uh, what his is. Um, but he does answer, right? And he gives an answer that is really going to set us into, um, into this next series, this journey that we are on here. And what he says is that the kingdom of God is in your midst, okay? The kingdom of God is in your midst. So normally, when I copy verses into my PowerPoints here, I, I exclude all the little notes and stuff, right? You know, like little superscripts in your scriptures. Uh, but this one, I left it in here. So it's that, that little C, you see it up there on the, on the far, the upper right above midst, okay? So if you've got your Bibles or you're on phone or something, and if you, if you'll, you'll probably have that, whatever version you have, you'll probably have that. And if you press on that, 
it'll offer some other options for what that phrase means, okay? Um, and so this is where it gets like controversial or where people have debates about what exactly does Jesus mean. In fact, um, you know, and so this week, I, I, as, as I often do, um, I listen to a variety of uh, teachers that, that I, I know or respect in some way. Um, I guess I don't really know any of them, mostly, but, um, but that, I, that I respect. And, and one of them, in, many of them struggled with it, but one of them in particular who's like this pretty well-known evangelical teacher who, like, if you're in that mold, especially of that generation, it's like you approach Scripture with this, like, this certitude. I mean, you have, you have had all this, like, educational background, and you've been, you know, exegeting Scripture for decades, week in and week out, and, like, when you come to Scripture and you're going to present it out to your congregation, you've got to know exactly, precisely what it says, with no doubt whatsoever, right? That's kind of that's kind of what I normally expect out of this particular guy. And I was just, I just have to laugh because he came at it and he right off the bat, he said something I'd never heard him say before, which is, I don't know what this means. <laughs> he was like, I have no idea. I'm, I'm really not sure. I'm just going to, I'm just going to give you some possibilities. I don't know. You're just going to have to, to roll with it. And it was like, wow. Yeah. So even, even for him, it was, it was, it was unclear and, and so in, in, the, in the way the translators do it, you know, in your midst there is how the NIV does it, okay? But depending on your version, if you click on the little superscript there, you might see is among you, or might, that might be your primary translation, okay, that it's among you. So those things are kind of a little bit similar, in your midst or is among you. And the, the idea there, I think a lot of people who lean in that direction, what part of the argument they're saying is like, well, he's talking to the Pharisees. And, you know, surely he's not saying, you know, that the kingdom is somehow like in them. Like, I think he's, maybe he's trying to say that the kingdom is in your midst or among you just by virtue of the fact that it's Jesus standing right there, right? Like, maybe that's what it means is because that Jesus is there, that obviously inherently the kingdom um, is in their midst in, the, in, in that manner speaking, right? Or among them. Um, the problem with that is, I, I mean, I think there's a, a way in which that tr is true, but the problem with that is that Jesus doesn't actually talk about the kingdom like that. I mean, when you look through Scripture and you look at how Jesus speaks about the kingdom, he, even though he is the king and he is the one who is bringing the kingdom, he is the, he is the, the, the party who is ruling, he does not personalize the kingdom in the way that that translation would require. He, doesn't, he just doesn't talk about it like that. He doesn't speak about the kingdom like that. And so there's another possibility, and that is, uh, or the kingdom is within your grasp. And, uh, and so uh, N.T. Wright, who I, I also really uh, love and respect, so that, that's the version that he favors. And I think this gets closer. Um, his take on that is that, you know, it's within your grasp, meaning that there's some action that has to be accompanied with the kingdom coming, and that you have something to do with the kingdom coming. Um, he's saying within your grasp in that sense. Um, and so, but I, for me, I think I turned to actually the King James Version, okay? So who, who grew up with the King James Version? I'm just curious if there's anybody. There's a few of you. Okay, yeah. There's a few of you who grew up with the old King James. So we're just going to, we're going to read it here. It's got some lows and, you know, beholds. 
Thus, as when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come. I do like, even right off the bat, demanded of the Pharisees. That is probably a better translation. He answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. I feel like I need a British accent, but I'm not going to do that to you. Um, (laughs) Neither shall they say, Lo here or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Within you. Okay, whoa. The kingdom of God is within you. Okay, so this, I already said, this is actually, the, that's the translation I favor, okay? But when I first hear that, or when I first heard that in the past, that's like, wait, what? The kingdom of God is within, what does that mean? And part of my context for this is that I, uh, I've, I've spent a bunch of time with, I'm, I'm trying to think of the, the nice way to say this, um, I've, I've been around some Christians uh, in, in sort of a secular context who are kind of trying to make Christianity sort of sound okay within like a secular context and a secular world. And a lot of times what they end up saying is sort of like, you know, guru types of things, which is that, you know, it's all inside of you. Like a lot of the stuff is like kind of motivational speaking types of things. You, I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Like, like you just need to reach down deeper inside of you and you'll pull out this like, you know, awesome thing that's in there. And, you know, that's, that's just what it is. Like, you, you're, you've got the spirit, and you've just got to dig in deeper and find it and, and, and let that come out, okay? Um, and that's kind of the way it comes across to me anyways. Um, does, anyone, does anyone familiar with that kind of a little bit, right? So, so, so that's my context. Like, I've, I've heard people kind of almost maybe even sometimes directly use this verse to kind of say something like that. And, you know, even that's not totally wrong in some sense, right? Like we, in fact, I mean, we are created in the image of God. And, and I think in the path that we go down, Jesus will, in fact, bring up a lot of the wonderful true self things. That's the phrase we use a lot um, that, that he's put in us. A lot of it is about coming to that place where those things can arise. But the problem is the way that they talk about it, it's like it's really like kind of a godless thing. And it's just like, oh, it's just, you know, stuff is just in you. It comes out. So it's like, I, that's kind of what I hear. I'm like, within you, oh, that just makes me really uncomfortable. It makes me really uncomfortable to, to, to believe that about myself and certainly about any of you. Like, that's, I mean, that just seems like ridiculous. The kingdom of God is within you. Come on. Okay. But that was very insulting. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> um, but having a kingdom of God theology changes that, okay? And so here in the vineyard, if you're new around here, we, 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 we view everything through the lens of this thing we call the kingdom of God theology, and we've, we've spent some amount of time over the summer here talking, kind of setting up what we mean by that. And, um, and so let me, just, let me just go through that for a second here, okay? And this is in your note sheet. This is, this is what we started with in our last series. I just want to hit on it real quick. So what we believe that the kingdom of God is, right? I mean, this is what Jesus is saying. The kingdom of God is, so here's some things we know about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is active rule and reign and order. It's active, okay? So the kingdom of God is not simply this kind of realm. It's not simply a place. It, it, is, it is a place only in that God's rule is actively happening, that it's being exercised, Okay? We also know that it is coming near, that it's imminent, it's personal, it's holistic, it's relevant to us. 
Okay? And we also know that it's received. It's something that has to be yielded to. Okay? So this is what we spent a bunch of time talking about, and I, and I don't have time to dig too far into that. Okay? But the point is that when we look at it like this, right, then it is not something that you could say, lo, <laughs> there it is, or here it is. Right? It's not something that you can say that about. It's really a matter of whether God's rule is being exercised or not. Okay? And so when we come back here, it says, Behold, the kingdom of God is within you. So what does that mean? Um, well, I think that in the context of the kingdom of God theology, right, what we're looking, what we're really looking for is what is it then that is happening within us, okay? Like, why is it that God cares so much about that? And maybe it's because that is where actually the kingdom resides, which is kind of a, kind of a big concept in a lot of ways. I've got to slow down just for a second, right? Because when we think, even for us, when we think about what the kingdom of God coming looks like, right, I think we would also want to say, oh, here it is, or there it is. I can see in this physical place that God's kingdom is coming. And, and we'll get to the fact that, yes, God's kingdom does manifest itself in an outward way, absolutely, right? There are spillover effects all the time when God's kingdom is, is coming and it's ruling and reigning. There's always spillover effects, and it, yes, it does come out externally, but that is not actually where it starts. The kingdom of God starts within because that is where God's rule and reign is most important. Okay? If you are not convinced, uh, let me just throw a couple of other passages at you, okay? Romans 14. So this is the Apostle Paul saying, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Now, can't, I can't preach on that, okay? But let's just, let's just look at that, right? For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. And there's a whole context for that passage, right? But the point here is that it's not something that is external. That's not how we define the kingdom of God. It's not about, oh, you know, these people are, it's not even about like, oh, these people are obeying something on the outside that you can see. A lot of times we might be doing the right things on the outside. That is not necessarily what the kingdom of God is. But what it is, is of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Where do those things happen? Where does righteousness, peace, and joy occur? Within, right? That's where it occurs. It starts within. Okay, here's another one. Matthew 23. Again, Jesus talking to the Pharisees. He says this, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside also may be clean. Okay, so this is, if you've been around uh, for, for a while, you've un, absolutely heard David preach on this verse, because this is, this is sort of a, one of the fundamental verses that we, we point to a lot of times, talking about what goes on in the inside is what comes out, okay? So God is always going to be looking for what's on the inside. Now, the reason why 
I, I chose this verse, I could have chosen others, but this verse in particular uses that, uh, uses that phrase, that which is within the cup, right? So you get the concept, right? The concept's pretty clear. Jesus is saying, it doesn't matter what the outside looks like, you need to work on the inside, and then the outside will come, right? That's what we were just saying. But that phrase there, which is within, that is exactly the same word that is used in Luke 17, within you, right? So, so it's, it's pretty clear, I think, actually, for me as I was looking at this more and more, and I, 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 don't, I, don't, want to sound, uh, I don't want to sound like I'm saying I'm smarter than these other people, because I'm most assuredly not, okay? But when I think about this passage, it's actually very clear to me what it means. And I, and, I, and I want it to be very clear to you what it means as well. And I, I hopefully that is starting to happen, and this is what we're going to be talking about in our series. That it is about what is happening within, within each of us, within us as a community, right, as a church family. Both of those things is true. But it starts, it starts within, okay? God's reign becomes active on the inside, so we must follow Jesus in. So, if you are in any way, shape, or form feeling lost or feeling like you don't know what, what the next step is, what the way on is, um, this is what Jesus is going to be doing. And I'll, I'll just tell you, for me, I've got many areas in my life, <laughs> I'm almost like all of them, I feel like, where I've got open questions about God, what, what is going on with this or that or the other thing? You know, where are we headed with this? I'm not even totally sure what the destination is. I'm definitely, a lot of times, you know, I might, sometimes, sometimes he'll help me, and a lot of the series is about helping us know what the next step is, right? But I surely don't have, like, you know, a roadmap laid out. I definitely, you know, haven't punched in the, you know, the address in the Google Maps and received back step-by-step instructions or, you know, been able to have a GPS to follow, like nothing like that, right? That's not how it works. Um, and there's so many of our areas in my life where I feel like that's true, and maybe that's, maybe that's for you, for some of you. And when that is true, and it is often true, God's reign becomes active on the inside. If you want, if it is in your heart to follow Jesus more, more closely, to be formed more in his image, God's rule and reign becomes active on the inside, and so we have to follow Jesus in, okay? And so um, that's the, that is the title of our series. The way in is the way on. The way in, always, is the way that God leads us on. And so I can tell you that uh, for a lot of you, for, for maybe for all of us, if we are to take this seriously, um, during this series, maybe even right now, you might be annoyed with that. <laughs> you might even get angry about that. Uh, because we don't like that very much when it comes to rubber, me- rubber meeting the road, right? We can sit here and it sounds great in concept, um, and of course, I want more of Jesus to come in. But when it really comes down to asking Jesus questions and grappling with things in our lives that we, we want more of him in, a lot of times we're going to run into obstacles, and a lot of times we're going to run into our own resistance. That happens all the time. We're going to talk more about that in, in a few weeks. And, um, and so this series, a lot of the first half of this series, we're really going to be just sort of setting up 
this, uh, this foundation of being able to understand, man, why is, it, why is it that it's what God wants to go in? And why is it even safe or okay for that to happen? You know, why is that his answer? We're never going to be setting that up before in the second half of the series, and, and this, will, this will probably take us into, into Christmas. So we're still kind of f- figuring that out, but, but I'm, I might just give you a little bit of a warning all the way here in September. Like, you, you might not get your, like, normal Christmas series with, like, shepherds and, you know, wise men and things like that. So I'm just warning you that <laughs> some people are already upset about that. So... Uh, <laughs> That's why I'm telling you that early, right? So you can maybe get used to that concept. Um, but, but this is going to take us a little while here to unpack. Um, and that's okay. And that resistance that you might feel along the way, some of you are like, I, I don't really know what you're talking about, so I have no resistance. But some of you already do. Some of you definitely already do. And it's like that resistance is okay. We understand that. I understand that, definitely. Um, and so I, I just wanted to kind of close out by talking a little bit personally, um, you know, how, is this, how has this been a thing for me recently even, right? And, um, and so last time I was up here was uh, three months ago. Um, and in, my, in the last few years, I guess, at least the last two years, I've been getting up here uh, you know, I felt like God was like, you need to be teaching more regularly. So I was like, okay, I'll do that. So I've been getting up here fairly regularly. And, and I realized, actually, three months is the longest time that I have not been uh, teaching um, in, in that time frame. So it's the longest I've gone. And the reason for that is uh, that we had, we had a lot of stuff going on in the summer. Certainly that was, that was one of the issues. Um, but the other reason for that is that since the last time that uh, I was up here, uh, I, I lost my mom. And a lot of you guys know that. And so, first of all, I wanted to take the opportunity, since I have the mic <laughs> and the platform, um, and this will be, I'm sorry if you're new, but this is, you know, I don't know. We cry up here a lot, so I can't say that we don't. But, um, but I, I, I did feel like I had to just say thank you to all of you guys. Um, I think, I think this is the hardest part of my teaching. Um, but I, I just, I felt like God was just like, you just, you just got to say, I appreciate so much um, just all the ways that you guys uh, prayed for and supported my family through that. Um, I was in Colorado, so I wasn't here for a lot of it. Uh, but like, I could, I could feel it very tangibly. And even when I came back, it was like, you know, just so many people were... Um, I, was, I mean, I was shocked, like, people were like, I watched the service online. You're like, you did? How did you even, how did you even know that that was happening? And um, all those things were just very, very, very uh, deeply meaningful to us. And so, um, so I just want to say thank you from, uh, from myself and my family. Uh, it was really, really cool. I, 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 know, I, know our, I know our church family is pretty incredible, to, but to be able to experience that was, was yeah, was excellent. So... Um, so, that out of the way. <laughs> that, that feeling, though, that process of going through uh, losing my mom is something that uh, God, God has used, really, to instruct me on, on this topic. And so, I just want to talk about, a little bit about that. Um, and so, it was, uh, about a month ago, uh, we went to the Vineyard National Conference in North Carolina. 
And uh, we had, you know, I just had this really busy summer. My mom, my mom passed on, I think, July 3rd. Um, and so it was only about a month after that. And we had been so busy. We had been driving around all summer, being away from home. And even though this national conference thing is something that I really normally look forward to, I was going there like just, I don't know, just not really in the spot where I necessarily wanted to go, um, which is saying something because I, I look forward to them. And so I was just driving there and uh, just kind of, you know, talking to Jesus about it along the way and I'm like, I don't know what you want uh, here. I don't know what I want with this, but we're, we're just going to go. Everybody's in the car, so um, we're doing this. Of course, I get there on the Monday night and check in, you know, go slowly, and then I get to my room, and uh, I get a work thing that comes across my desk that is, like, urgent, and I cannot, I can't set it aside, and so I have to deal with that. And so now, uh, now I'm late, I'm really late driving into the first session, and I really don't want to be, and then the parking, and if those of you guys who were there, you know what I'm talking about, the parking was a disaster, especially at the beginning. So you didn't know where you were parking, speaking of not knowing what the destination is, right? Like, you didn't know where you were going to park, and you didn't know where you were going after you parked your car, because it was like a mile walking, winding through mountainous buildings and stuff like that. And so I finally get to the first session, and I'm just like, oh my goodness. So the worship is going on already, I'm like in a huff, and I walk in, there's no seats on the floor, I don't know where all my people are. So I just go up in the balcony, I find some of the people, but there's no seats there. And so I, I wander around, and the balcony is one of these you things. So, so I walk all the way to the end of the balcony that's close to the stage, and I finally sit down, and I just am, you know, I'm not in a great spot. I'm just like, okay, I'm here. And the worship's going on, and I'm not engaging in it. But I just hear God saying, look, just stop, right? This is what you're learning. You need to just stop. Just reflect. Kind of don't, you know, you have a choice here. You can just plow through this, pretend like nothing's going on, you know, or just, just deal, you know, just live with it or whatever. Or, you, you know, you could leave, right? That's another option. You know, that's a, that's a fair option sometimes. He's like, no, just sit. And what I heard him actually point out to me is that, um, that I've actually been in a process after my mom had passed. I'd been in this process that we've talked about in our church. So about, about a year and a half ago, we did a series called the Paschal, well, it's called Getting to Your Best Life Now, but um, it's really about this thing called the Paschal Mystery. And it's just this kind of paradigm, um, if, you, if you weren't here for that, it's just the kind of paradigm that, that, that helps us see how, how the experience of Jesus and the disciples is instructive to how we deal with loss and, um, and how we deal with grief. And, um, and so uh, I think it's up here, yeah. There we go. And again, I'm not going to preach through this. That's a whole other series. And you can go find it on our YouTube channel if you would like. Um, but what I realized is that, yeah, I experienced trouble. I obviously experienced loss. And, you know, in the Paschal Mystery, the new life is actually something that kind of happens automatically, right? It's not necessarily like even a, a like really great thing that you want. It's just the fact that you've experienced a loss, so you are now in a new life. I was in my new life without my mom at that point. Um, but what God pointed out to me is that actually I had been through this process of adjustment. We, we used the word adjustment because we wanted this to apply broadly to many, many, many circumstances in your life. But certainly in the context of a loss like this, you know, the word would be grieving, right? Like you'd been through this process where you're really adjusting to this new life. 
And I had actually done that. I had actually been with my family for a week in really, really healing ways. Um, it was so, it was so, I, I was so, like, just, I mean, lost, right, is the right word. I was so lost. I felt this whole, right at the beginning, that I just, you know, it's like I'd never felt before. I mean, I could talk about that for a long time. And all that was true, but I was going through this adjustment. I was going through this uh, grieving, and God had actually done a lot in that, really quite quickly, faster than I would have thought, to where, like, I was mainly, when I was thinking about my mom, I didn't, I didn't usually feel that hole, you know, that I had felt at the beginning. I had actually felt, like, grateful for her, you know, grateful for the time with my family, grateful for all the, the ways that everything worked out. It was just amazing. And, and so I had kind of been in this place where, I, yeah, I was, I was actually adjusting. And, you know, the letting go piece, like, you know, there's, there, that, that usually doesn't necessarily happen in one one distinct place, but there are multiple distinct points where that happened. Like, I could, I could see God showing me, like, you know, you remember um, when you guys were gathered together at this spot, like, that was a letting go, and, and this was another letting go. And there was this, there was this idea that, like, oh, yeah, there, I, have, I have actually let go in a meaningful way. Not saying it's not, you know, not going to happen again and that there's not more to do, but there was a meaningful way in which I'd let go. And so what God was showing me is that really where I am is that I need, is that I, I'm in a place to receive a new spirit, the new spirit. And see, what I was wondering about at that point, it wasn't just, it wasn't just about the fact that I, you know, was annoyed at everything that was happening um, and, you know, up to that spot. Really what I was wondering about was, God, am I, am I ever going to be able to feel like this, uh, this motivation and this desire to serve you in the same way that I did before. Like, that's really what it was. Like, I was going to this national conference for the Vineyard where traditionally, and, and it's, it, that's what they tried, you know, that what they were doing there as well. It's like, like, it's a place to be inspired to keep doing the works of the kingdom, to keep going, to keep showing God's love, to keep, you know, planting churches or, you know, evangelizing, all these things, right? And I was, I was in this spot where... I honestly, I, at that moment, I couldn't even, I couldn't imagine doing very much of anything. I definitely can imagine being back up here teaching. <laughs> and I was like, I had the question for him. I was like, am I ever going to be back in that spot? And so God answered that in that spot, in that moment. He was like, I'm going to give you a new spirit. And so I just stood up started to worship as best as I knew how. Didn't come right away. But it was like about a song and a half in, and I remember the song, and as it turns out, they're going to play this song. Uh, I didn't ask them to, but it's called The King of Heaven. And, um, and just, yeah, I won't go through the lines, but just a few lines in there, a song and a half in, I just felt the new spirit come in in this amazing way. And all of a sudden, it was like, yeah, like on the inside, right? The rule and reign of God came in. I mean, it's been doing it all along this path, but it came in in, a, in yet a new way, and it was like, yes, I can, I can take over that spot in your heart again. I can rule and reign in a new way, right? And so that happened. That happened for me. That's a, you know, that's kind of a big deal in a sense, right? This is like the loss of, a loss of parenting is a big deal. Um, but this is this idea of the way in, right? This is what God is always doing with us. 
And whether it's a big thing that you're going through, or whether it's a small thing, or whether it's even a nebulous thing, you're not even sure if it's a big thing or a small thing. This is what God wants to do with you, okay? Um, and our, we're, so, so in this series, we're going to talk about the way in instead of quote-unquote invitations, okay? So we're going to give some practical uh, suggestions, exercises for how to do this. And I'm long as always, so I'm not going to be able to do this the way I wanted to. But the way in is this, to make this a regular practice. This is Psalm 139. And what I would say about this, just real briefly, is not to just pray this, but to use this as a reflection regularly, as a practice. To actually stop at each line and wait for God to speak. And so it says, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Okay? So, I had wanted to take us through that step by step. I don't think I'm going to be able to do that. Um, but this is what I would encourage you to do. In, in, in quiet, find some space. Even if you are a busy person who never has space, you can, it, it, can be, it could just be like five minutes. It's okay. okay. And God works with whatever it is that you give him, I promise. But go through this line by line and pause. That's the important thing. Don't just, it's not just a prayer that you say, okay, I prayed it, and I just, you know, I think God will do it. You stop and you say, search me, God. Know my heart. Come in, right? And you can think of this this way, right? This is the way in, these lines, right? All of those things are opening ourselves up to Jesus, Jesus to be able to say, yes, I invite you to come in. And then that's the way on, right? That's our prayer. Lead me in the way everlasting, right? Isn't that a cool, I mean, the everlasting way. Don't you want that, right? That's what we really want.